Okay, Rabbi. So for our last segment on David HaMelech's life, we get a math lesson? Exactly, Biker. It's all about triangles. Oh, Rabbi, I flunked math. It's okay, Biker, because this segment also deals with admitting weaknesses as a form of strength. Huh? You'll see. <laughs> it's never dull with Biker and the Rabbi. Coming up in just a bit. Hop on board. It's time for another trip with the biker and the rabbi. Today on Biker and the Rabbi, we explore part six in our series about David and what can be learned from studying his life and challenges. And now, here's Biker. Hey everyone, welcome back. Great to be with you again. So, you may be wondering, what am I doing in this stable? You might think I was just horsing around. <laughs> you get it? Horsing around? Yeah, okay, I know. Stay away from comedy, biker. It's not your strong point. Okay, but this is also the home to Happy Harry's House of Buggy Whips and Smartphones. And I can tell you appreciate a great buggy whip when you see one. Well... Actually, no, I'm just here to make a point. Mm. You gonna buy a buggy whip? Hadn't really planned on it. My buggy has two wheels and doesn't need a whip. Well, then you can take your point somewhere else, Mr. Big Spender. I don't have time for browsers. When's the last time you sold a buggy whip? Uh, let's see now. Uh, Roosevelt was president, yeah. Franklin? Uh, Teddy. My grandpa sold him the last one he had in stock. Teddy liked to ride softly and carry, carry a, a big, big buggy whip. whip. Yeah. yeah, okay, I got it. But that's part of the point. Why do you still sell them? Well, there's the occasional request from the Amish, but mostly it's smartphones now. So, how did that happen? Well, we could see we had to change the way we thought. What we thought was right changed. Hmm. Now you're beginning to sound like you belong in today's podcast. Well, if you're doing a podcast on buggy whips and smartphones, <laughs> I'm your guy. Uh, no, no. This is about David and Saul and Yonatan and how Yonatan understood that Saul, once seemingly the future for Israel, actually was shown to be on the wrong path and David was on the right path. And this, uh, this Yonatan guy saw all of that? Well, he wasn't just a guy. He was King Saul's son. Once he sought to find and kill David for being a threat to his father's throne, but he soon came to see another way, just like the ones in your family who saw smartphones, not buggy whips, were the future. Jealousy, death threats, chases. <laughs> Sounds exciting. Are you sure there's no buggies involved? <laughs> yeah, I'm positive. Still sounds very interesting. Mind if I tag along? But don't you have a lot to do here? Nah, I'm just horsing around. I got time. <laughs> you get it, uh, horsing around. Everyone so wants to be a comedian. Stick around, will you? Let's open the throttle up and start our road trip. Oh, stop what you're doing. It wouldn't hurt you to listen a little. Welcome back to Biker and the Rabbi. So we've discussed David's heart and how he was an empty vessel. We talked about why he was headed for success. But now, well, 
things kind of turn a little bit, don't they, Rabbi Alper? Shalom, Biker. Yeah, you could say so. So, where do we begin this time? For now, we're going to pick up with the relationship between David and Yonatan, the son of King Shaul. Yonatan is a very interesting character who becomes the critical player in this drama, if you will. It sure seems like David's life is one new drama after another. It's like watching an episode of As the Torah Turns. Biker, I never pictured you as a soap opera fan. Uh, uh, <clears throat> me? No, I'm, no, I never would. I mean, no, I would never be. Can we get back? On track, please? Sure. Perhaps we might say that Yonatan, as the heir to Saul's throne, fundamentally changed the Saul-David transition by embracing David. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wasn't he originally sent to seek out and kill David? Most certainly. But the reason Yonatan is important is because he changes the narrative. He begins to recognize that David truly is destined to be king. He realizes his father, Shaul, is making a mistake. So despite what we thought was right, he was able to see things differently. Because he too had an open heart? Well, more so that he saw how God was favoring David. That must have been awkward. He was Saul's son. Well, true. But now Jonathan saw the way God was shaping things. The two men had a deep and abiding affection for each other. And Jonathan supported David for he knew that to be the will of Hashem. He saw that clearly. Absolutely. Yonatan, who represented the perfection of a Joseph-like Tzaddik, like his father, recognized the value of David, a descendant of Yehuda, whose greatness lay in his response to failure. So now, that connection to the past is playing again here, now. We read the Haftorah describing the Yonatan-Jonathan relationship on the day before Rosh Chodesh, the new month. That's important to understand. Oh, how so? It's like this. With a Yonatan attitude, we usher in an era of newness and we let go of the past. Even the accomplishments of Tzaddik-like aspects of the past. Out with the old, and in with the new. That's exactly what Rosh Chodesh is all about. Pretty amazing. (laughs) But Yonatan is doing something even more powerful here, isn't he? Yonatan is embracing the future and the truth that he now sees God to be revealing. Remember, he's Shaul's son. He's already brought into the narrative that Shaul is king, and soon he, Yonatan, will be too. But now he sees that's not quite right. But this goes directly in contradiction with Shaul's plans. It's not going to make him very popular. And it didn't. But as we'll see, Shaul was headed down a rabbit hole that in the end led to his destruction. He didn't understand what God was trying to do? In a way, Yonatan is becoming the conduit for that transition of power but Shaul just does not see it. So, Yonatan has to let go of what he thought was going to happen and understand a new truth has emerged. That's a lesson for us to internalize, Biker. Our original plans were one thing, but when you see a greater truth emerge, the ego has to go away and you must learn to embrace the next level and the next step of the journey. Saul started out well, but got sidetracked. David soon became the apparent future. And it was Saul's ascent into the idea that David was out to get him that was a major factor in influencing Yonatan. He realized Shaul was not living the reality that he had been before. But how do we make this work for us today? Saul's mistakes are are a lesson, aren't they? Good question, and one we can tackle in just a minute. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about that. You always do this to me. Well, I'm not going anywhere. Hope you'll stay put as well. 
Okay, we're back. So, what if you get a glimpse of the future, but you see it doesn't include you or the plan you've made? Because isn't Yonatan originally an antagonist of it? Antagonist? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a big word for me. I'm kind of shocked, too. So let's go backwards for a second to understand all this. And it'll also help us understand ourselves. Backwards makes forwards easier. Hey, if they can do it in the movies, we can do it in Torah study. Gotcha. Ready when you are. Like this, Shaul was a descendant of Benjamin, who is closely associated with his only maternal brother, Yosef. But what does that have to do with our story? Well... Yonatan, who represented the perfection of a Joseph like Tzaddik, as we've discussed, supported David, for he knew that to be the will of Hashem. Yonatan recognized the value of David, a descendant of Yehuda, whose greatness lay in his response to failure. Got all that? Oh, yeah, uh, sure, okay, yeah, uh uh-huh, not really. What's puzzling you still? Um, how about all of it? There are parallels, Biker, ways to draw down to the past that reflect the present and the future. Yonatan represented the perfection of a Joseph-like tzaddik, and Joseph was known for what? Uh, His personal greatness, uh, leadership, prophecy, not to mention the incredible faith in God despite all the obstacles he faced. Okay, so earlier you asked about the obstacles David had to face, even though we know he is to become king. And Joseph was similar, having to face extraordinary obstacles before he became viceroy in Egypt. Okay, that makes sense. And Jonathan sees this. Jonathan understood that David, as a direct descendant of Yehuda, had the capacity to eliminate his ego when making important decisions. Again, it's his value as an empty vessel that shows Yonatan just how important David is. So, Saul is flawed in his logic because his ego is too involved. Saul's ego forced him to make critical mistakes and assumptions. It was clear his way was not the way of the future. It was instead left to Yonatan and David, two selfless people who were engaged in building the dynasty of Mashiach. So how do I take this idea? make it work for me. Yonatan and David are about embracing change and embracing the future. Sometimes we're blinded by our ego and don't want to see that we're on the wrong path. Like Saul. Saul started out on the right track, but quickly allowed his ego to destroy his ability to genuinely move forward. He didn't see the future was different than the one he embraced. We do things like that all the time. And so we keep coming back to why David... And why was his life so hard? Well, David teaches us to empty our life of ego and preconceived notions and let ourselves be guided by our love for God and seek the path he is setting us on today. And his constant struggles? Well, with all the great people of the Torah, their struggles meant to be a lesson to us. That life is hard? That the more you are gifted with, the more is expected of you. And when you achieve, as Yosef did and David will, it sets the bar for everyone else to follow. Not everyone is born a tzaddik, but... You can act like a tzaddik in your own life by choosing the right path, one where ego doesn't lead the way, but humility does. Biker, you've been paying lots of attention. <laughs> you make it easy, Rabbi. Care to sum up? Sure. It's like this. Yonatan's embrace of David shows us the value of being flexible because an ego-based mindset says... If things were this way before, if I envision the future to be X, then you better believe it's going to be X. And I'm going to ignore all signs that are pointing 
to something different, to something new. Yonatan was able to embrace David, embrace the new, embrace change, and let go of the past, despite the fact that it was a past that promised him a seat on the throne. He was able to let go of that. And if he could do that, if he could let go of a dream of kingship, we can let go of some smaller things ourselves. Thanks for being here today. I'll get your coat. It's time to go. Well, that about wraps up another podcast. It's great to have you with us. And we'd like to request two things. First, if you like these, please pass them along to friends and anyone you feel might enjoy the content. Second, if you have questions you'd like answered, or you just want to learn more, reach out to our recorded line at 303-820-2855. As always, a huge thanks to the Denver Colel for their support and the access to their resources. If you wish to support them in any way, visit their website at denvercolel.org. Colel spelled K-O-L-L-E-L. On our next podcast, the rabbi and I will tackle more about David and how complicated his life is. Yet everything he endured is a lesson for you today to help you create a fuller life. Please join us. I'm Biker. For Rabbi Halpern, thank you and God bless. Mm-hmm.